This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to How Gen Y Buy. Each week, we speak to everyday Australians to discover the unique ways in which they are entering the property market. Learn how Gen Y are beating the odds and getting their foot on the property ladder with your host, Nathan Smith, the Managing Director and Mortgage Broker at Birdie Wealth. Welcome back to episode two of How Gen Y Buy. Thanks to all those who gave us feedback on the first episode. Uh, It was really positive feedback, so thanks for that. Uh, Looking forward to sharing the second episode with you. I'm joined in the studio today by Daniel Gabler. Uh, Daniel Gabler was able to buy an investment property at the age of 19. He couldn't afford the Sydney market, so he used this investment property, renovated, and was able to flip that property to come up with a larger deposit to get into the Sydney market. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in. Nice Saturday. You've popped in the office here, so uh, thanks for joining me. Nice to have a Saturday off. It is very nice to have a Saturday off. It's been a long, long, long time, so forcing me to have a day off coming in here, it's beautiful. Yeah, so working as a, a plumber and being self-employed, um, everything's on you, right? Oh, 100%. I was, uh, I was on the phone as I walked into your office, actually, for, for jobs before, so, you know, constant battle, but we'll get there. But that's, I mean, that's good and bad, isn't it? You take the good with the bad with it. Love every moment of it. Wouldn't have it any other way. I was thinking about that last night, actually, and I thought, you know what, I wouldn't have it any other way, even though uh, all the hard times come, but, uh, Slow yeah. for yourself. So, thanks for coming in. You are a Gen Y buyer. I am indeed. You own a property. I do. But I thought Gen Y couldn't buy property. Apparently they can. There you go. So, uh, we have a Gen Y buyer. There you go. One of us has done it. So, that's good. Yeah. No, there's, and there's uh, plenty of opportunities for, for other people to do it too. Absolutely. So, what drew you to property? I don't know. Ever since probably a young age, I was interested in property, renovations, uh, all that kind of thing. I was probably a little bit weird as a kid. I loved watching, you know, Backyard Blitz and Better Homes and Gardens and all that kind of stuff, and I developed a passion for it early. It was good when I sort of left school, got a full-time job, and had a girlfriend at the time who was more or less on the same page with me who did want to get into the property market as well, so that definitely helped. And then, yeah, one thing led to another, and we bought our first property at 19. And now she's your wife. Now she's my wife. There you go. <laughs> very good. So I uh, bought your very first property at 19. So Second year apprentice. Yeah, so second, second year apprentice you bought in. And at that point, affordability in Sydney, that was that was hard back then, right? Well, for a second year apprentice and a at, at the time, Hayley was more or less a receptionist at a travel company. So yeah. the income for us both wasn't huge. So more or less, we had to to think outside the box. So why didn't you just say, well, I can't afford property and give up? I think you know me well enough now, Nath, that I don't give up. So um, definitely had to had to look outside the box. And we thought, you know, the closest big town, I guess, would be would be Wollongong. And, and that's where we started to look. Yeah. So you headed down to Wollongong and uh, you found a unit down there. So it was your first property you bought when you were 19. Purchased that property. It was a bit of a rough diamond, I guess you'd say. You could definitely say rough diamond, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, very interesting block. Not in the best neighbourhood in the world either. Yeah. Um, but it definitely had potential. It was a minute walk away from the from the main hospital in Wollongong. Uh, shops were within you know two three minute walk, so it was pretty good location. As a mortgage broker, I'm fairly hesitant to recommend people do what you did, which is flipping property essentially. So buying a property, renovating it, and selling it. I think I think it looks 
quite sexy on TV to see uh, the different shows do that, make all their money and walk away. However, there's a risk involved, right? So um, you were able to do that successfully, uh, but the reason probably you're able to do it successfully is that you're in that industry, right? Yes and no. I think anybody can do it. Okay. It's just you have to realize that your first property, and for us, it, we were never going to live in it. Yep. We did it up to, to rent out and then eventually go on to sell it. When buying something like that, you can't have an emotional attachment to it. Yep. So when you when you go to buy a carpet, you're not buying the best carpet in the world. You're just going to look buy what looks good. Yep. Um, same thing with kitchens, bathrooms. So, you know, the bathroom in the, in the unit was almost fluoro yellow. That yeah. had to come out. But we were never going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on tiles for it. It was just something that looked good. I still had to pay tilers, waterproofers, renderers, right, okay. all that kind of stuff to do yep. that kind of work. Anybody can can pick up a shovel and strip out old flooring, strip out kitchens. You know, you still have to pay some trades. I was lucky that I had a friend who was an electrician, you know, that still still charged me, but not massively. But as I said, I still paid carpet layers, painters, all that kind of stuff to come in and and do it. Um, so you're but, doing the renovations with the end goal in mind that this thing will either be rented out or sold. Yeah, look, Haley was um, in the midst of moving up in her career. She was going to move to, to the CBD or eventually she moved to Bondi for uh, for work. So the commute to Wollongong was something that she wasn't really a fan of. So we realized, you know, let's just use this as a, a stepping stone to, to get something that we're happy with next time. It's about making that unemotional investment in the property, isn't it? A hundred percent. You don't have to have your dream property at, at 25 yeah. or, or yeah. 30, you know what I mean? Why do you think people have that idea that they need to be there in that dream property from day one? Uh, I think especially, you know, Sydney and the Sutherland Shire, I think it's pressure through your friends that, you you know, you put on yourself. You want the ultimate Facebook photo yeah. of you outside your <laughs> yeah. dream property at 25. Yeah. And it's just unrealistic. Yeah. Like, okay, there are a lot of uh, people out there that do have a lot of money behind them at 25 and 30, but... You know, for, for most Gen Yers, it is an expensive world that we're living in, Sydney. Yep. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, starting out small. There's nothing wrong with buying your first unit in Sutherland and, and doing the same thing. You know, eventually, 35, you're starting to really settle down with a family and, and then you can look to buy your, your dream home once you settle. But I think the reality of getting a, a million-dollar mortgage when you're, you know, 26 – it's pretty daunting, the fact that, you know, our interest rates are quite low at the moment. I think trying to live way beyond your means is crazy. Yeah. Look, I think I think there's two things. I definitely think the Instagram photo is a killer. Um, people Huge just wanting thing. to get that Instagram photo out the front of the property and, and going beyond their means and trying to keep up with their friends and keep up with other people. The other thing, too, I think is that people have uh, – they're moving from living with their parents – or potentially renting in a really nice suburb and they really don't want to change their lifestyle in order to get into the market. So I think it's having that clear understanding that your parents have worked 30 years to get to that point, Correct. right? So to fill that house with the nice furniture, to to have those renovations, to have it done up the way it is, they didn't have that at 25 either. Um, it was a journey for them. So don't uh, don't compare with your parents at their current stage. Start, no start from somewhere and work your way up. Like, you got to understand, okay, everyone's, it's the standard thing. Everyone turns around and says, oh, our parents bought it, you know, ridiculously low prices. Yeah, but the wages weren't all that fantastic back then either. Like, it's all relative, right? It's all 100% relative. Like, I know, understand that Sydney's gone through a boom, 
But, you know, our parents, as you said, have established themselves over 30 years to enable themselves to start selling their houses for for the bigger income, um, you know, higher prices. It's it's life's a marathon. You can't expect to have absolutely everything at 26. Yeah. Now, when you bought a property, how long ago was that? Was that eight years ago or so? Nine. Nine years ago? Yep. So you bought a property back then. What was... What do you remember of what the media was talking about and the general sentiment around property at that stage? To be honest with you, I don't listen to the media all that much, but it was sort of at the time where a lot of people were talking about um, self-managed super funds and how bricks and mortar are the, are the way to go if you want you know, a comfortable, stable income rather than you know, fluttering yourself on the, on the stock market. That was probably the only vibe that I really picked up on. Um, as I said, it was more of a passion from from a young age that I wanted to do something like this. Yeah, and, and then so you and Haley bought this first property together down in Wollongong, and uh, I guess how how did you go about saving that deposit? Was there anything you remember having to sacrifice? I mean, yeah, look, Haley's been at me for a very long time to go and do the big European trip, and you know, add to your Facebook album about you know standing on some some amazing cliffs somewhere in the world but we sort of decided early that we could put that trip off just before we had kids we want to sort of establish ourselves a bit look there's nothing wrong with going traveling but i think the world at the moment is very want 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 if you're prepared to sort of sacrifice a bit you can you can eventually have both as a second year apprentice i was i was working you know seven to seven to four as as a as a tradie as a plumber and then on the weekends, I was working at a nightclub, Friday, Saturday nights. Saturday was a big one. I'd renovate the unit from sort of seven till, till four in the afternoon. I'd drive back, have a quick sleep, and then I'd be up at the nightclub from 11 till 4 a.m. And, and back down to Wollongong for summer Sunday. So, you know, it definitely took some sacrifice to do it, but it, you know, got, got us to where we are so now. So that were the two things you remember sacrificing. There was some travel, travel and those bigger trips you had to sacrifice. Um, and uh, the other one was going out every Friday and Saturday night. Obviously, you've, you've kind of almost yeah. helped yourself by forcibly saving money by actually working on those nights, I guess, has yeah. probably helped you twofold there. But, uh, I mean, you've still done travel, right? It's not like yeah. you've missed out. No, I've, I've still done travel. You know, I've still had my had my holidays and, and whatnot, and as you're probably well aware, you've spent nights out with me at the pub, so it's not like I've ever missed out and, and gone without, but you just have to look at it and go, well, I'm not going to go and spend uh, three months in Europe just at this stage because my passions are somewhere else. Um, eventually, we'll get there. I'm in the process now of looking for a project manager for my business that's going to allow me to fill Haley's want of the travel. Yeah. Um, she wants to go and do, do a fair bit of Europe, and I'm happy for her to do that, but it's just... Now let's just keep building. So you sold the property in Wollongong. You've now got a sum of cash, which is allowing you to actually get back into the Sydney market. So um, you've then started the hunt up in Sydney looking for property. Mm -hmm. How did you find that process? The process was, I suppose, a little bit daunting um, at first. You know, you, you've I've just sold my unit down in Wollongong. I've got, yeah, as you said, the sum of money. We're out sort of looking. Again, we looked at... This wouldn't be our forever home. It's just another stepping stone in the in the process. So we had a look around units, townhouses in in the Shire. Again, we didn't want to go over and above and and wreck our lifestyle, I guess, by having ourselves mortgaged to the eyeballs. So we found we found a little three better in in Sutherland, uh, in a, quite a good block. 
going for a, a good price. We'd been looking for probably, I'd say, four to five months to try and get ourselves something that we were happy with because we were go- we were going to move into this one. This was yeah. um, we we just we we're going to get married and we wanted something that we could move out out into as well. So we found that sort of that happy medium. So there was some emotion, I guess, in this purchase because it was it was a home you had to live in. It had to suit your lifestyle. Yeah, there was some some form of emotional attachment, but again, it's not the absolute dream house. Um, and still, it was a bit of a rough diamond. There's been a lot of work going back into that property, right? Yeah, well, I remember when you helped me with this with the mortgage and you rang me and said, congratulations, you can go and pick up the keys. I'd already had the kitchen out in the front doorstep. Yeah, yeah. Out. So, yeah, this was, again, another another roughie. For some reason, we got attracted to fluoro orange um, <laughs> kitchens. kitchens. Yeah, right. So, you know, that had to come out pretty much Might come away. back one day. You, you might be installing them one day. <laughs> one day, we'll yeah. see. Again, same thing. You go through the process. There's a bit of a process that you go, okay, well, I've got this sum of money that I can use to uh, renovate and and make it sort of, you know, livable. So out came the old carpets, the old kitchen. We did everything, surprisingly enough. I'm a plumber. I, I didn't do the bathroom, but, you know, we made do for, for two or three years before uh, the nagging got to me and I yeah, ripped it out. So, but same thing. It's, it's a process. So your renovations, you didn't come in, gut the whole thing and do it top to toe, did you? You did it over a period of time, save some money, did yeah, the kitchen, so save some money, did the back area. We did, yeah, mostly we we cleared it out. We got, you know, the old stinky carpets out, the, the kitchen out. Um, we did the flooring. So, you know, we made it really livable. Um, it helps that the father-in-law's a painter and he came around and sort of just threw some paint on the wall. But same thing, like the backyard was was a process. We went through that. We did that over, you know, a, a fair while. There was a deck that I, I built myself and I obviously could only spend a couple of hours a weekend on it because I, I was establishing a business at that stage. So, yeah, everything's just a process. Now, one thing that it's just actually reminded me that we've done as a group is we tend to do little working bees and help each other out. So we do. What comes around goes around. So we've done a few of these now. I think we've done about five or six. So essentially what happens is someone puts their hand up and says, guys, I'd love you all to pop over on a day. And we're able to hammer out a whole heap of work in one day. And uh, I, to be honest, I'm, uh, I, I generally just make the coffees and fetch lunch for you guys. And um, and we let the tradies go and do their thing. But um, that, that's been a great way to cut costs and help get a lot of work done on your property. Yeah, hugely. Like um, the, the moment you mention a barbecue and beers, the boys just seem to, to flock. So, you know, I had I had help mostly from, from that same Sparky fellow that I was talking to you about before. But... This one one time I had probably, I don't know, probably 12 guys that were over, someone to turn up with a chainsaw, someone to turn up with shovels and, you know, just rip in for a Saturday and, and give me a hand. But same thing, I guess, two o'clock comes around and the beers start flowing and, you know, you, you turn around, you've got a whole heap of work done. But, but a lot of people are happy to do that because you've done the same for them. Oh, God, yeah. And since then, you've also done the same. So um, it's a it's been a great little way of people getting projects done without having to spend massive amounts on trades, just calling yeah. in a group of friends, throwing on a barbecue and, um, and getting everyone to chip in. So this property's been bought. You've had this for a while now. What's, uh, what's next? Where do you see yourself going from here? Um, probably the next step, I guess. Still not probably looking for the dream home. Probably looking to upgrade from the three-bedroom villa. You know, there's 
there's two thought processes going on in my head at the moment. Use the equity we've got now to try and and buy something in the Shire, another rough sort of diamond, I guess, or look to buy interstate and try and and get some more equity through that. Yeah, so have uh, so continue to hold that property, maybe buy something else that's going to grow in value at the same time for you and then yeah. sell down and, and buy the dream home from there. So that's kind of the picture going forward. Now, do you remember buying buying these properties? It's, a, it's an emotive time. Do you remember when you had those offers accepted on both those properties? Do you remember the phone call or do you remember where you were when that happened? I remember the process was one of the most stressful times yeah. Yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't actually until I got a phone call from you yeah. saying, just just chill out, there's a process. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it is hugely emotional. You know, you're going up against other people bidding on houses and you do sort of start to think, you drive away from open home, you start to think, oh, what colour am I going to paint the house and, yeah. and whatever else. Yep. And you yep. start to sort of, I suppose, get a little bit emotionally invested yeah. in, in the process and you have to sort of start to go, okay, well, I need to trust the people around me, um, yeah. such as you, that you're going to get over the line and it did. It is a hard one, isn't it? You've, you've, you've got this criteria of things you want in a property. You finally find one that fits all your criteria, then the bidding starts. And uh, and, and a lot of the, the results out of your control in some ways, you can put your best offer forward, but who you're up against and what the vendor wants as a price is completely out of your control. So um, that's my advice to people is just to understand that you can put your best foot forward, you can put your best offer forward, and there are some strategies in the way in which you do that. However, at the end of the day, understand that the outcome will be the outcome and there's always another property that comes along. Exactly right. There's so many variables that go wrong. Like even through the process at Sutherland, um, and it was amazing that you picked up on it, that the the bank had even put the wrong address on the yeah. on the contract. Yeah. And, you know, that delays us again by a couple of days. Settlement dates coming up, you know, you, you do start to get a bit stressed. And yeah. if you can find the right people around you, the process can be a lot less stressful. Yeah, I think that's important. Just just finding trusted uh, parties in all areas of that transaction and really outsourcing their expertise. So um, I, I don't... You don't want to outsource the process to them. You still need to have an understanding of what's happening at each point and making sure you're getting clear updates and information Correct. on what's happening. Um, but outsourcing the uh, the actual process to them, letting them manage it, letting them run it, and then feed your updates back through there. Thanks very much for coming in. You've just changed to a, a new branding, new company name. How's that all going along now, being self-employed? Yeah, it's um, it's amazing. I love it. I've just changed from Dayton Plumbing, and I bought a a franchise, Laser Plumbing Caringbar. It's going to sort of change my life again, I guess. It's tradies are really uh, renowned for doing great at their job, but the back end side of their business, I guess, does fail a little bit. So Laser is going to give me that support, which is going to be huge and aid me to buy the next property. You know, gone are the days where tradies can turn up to their tax agent with a bag full of receipts and go, hey, sort me out. Yeah. It's, you know, mortgage brokers require so much documentation now to, from from the self-employed that uh, this laser um, process is going to help me hugely. Yeah, we well, can spend the time doing what you're good at, making money, doing the plumbing, and let the back end all take care of itself. Correct, and it's going to allow me, you know, live feeds and to, to profit and loss and, and where we are as a business so I can go to the bank and, again, and, you know, you can knock on their door and say, hey, 
this guy's all right. We ready can, to go again. Yeah, ready to go again. Perfect. Well, Daniel, thanks very much for coming in. My key takeaways from that is just having that clear vision. Having a partner that's on board was a really vital step for them there just to make sure that they, uh, they're they on the same wavelength and the communication is really good between this couple and the way they've worked to uh, upgrade and get back into the Sydney market has been fantastic. Some really good pointers there on how to renovate and flip property, what's what to look for and what not to look for there. So that was really useful. I, I took a bit away from that as well. Um, Daniel, one final question before you go. What's that one piece of advice that you wish you were given when you're buying your property or what is that one piece of advice that you were given? Probably along the lines of just, you know, let the process happen. Get the right people around you when you are buying. And I can seriously recommend Nathan during that process. He's he's a calming influence. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, That would probably be my one piece of advice that was given to me, yeah. Perfect. Look, that's the advice I hear from people is just get that network around you, get that support circle and let them hold your hand and walk you all the way through that process. Thanks very much, Daniel, for coming in. It's been another episode of How Gen Y Buy. We'll be back in a fortnight with the next episode. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision-making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.